0: Do you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. we got
1: this background
0: from... Morning.
1: I need to give us a different background here.
0: Yeah, Uh, I was thinking. I need. I got my green screen there. I need to put it up and get some backgrounds again. How
1: about Big Ben? And all right, perfect. There we go. Okay. All right.
0: It's only been attacked in how many movies?
1: It's true. Is that isn't there a whole series now of London has fallen, Olympus has fallen? I think. Has fallen. What's the name of our guy? I ice myself up here. Yeah. In three hundred, and uh, mm -hmm. he's now a good action adventure hero let's we'll see it'll come to us
0: i want to say aaron eckhart but he was the president in that first series first right. one of that series
1: him uh. anyway it'll pop out yeah,
0: it'll, sure. okay so boy i'm
1: getting uh, i just got done with sorry please go
0: ahead no no please what, what'd you get done i was going to give you a revelation I, I want to hear what you got though
1: that i just took a covid test and nowadays it's i don't it's first yay negative second Anytime nowadays that you get a sore throat or sniffles or anything involving respiratory (laughs) whatever, and it really could be, oh no, I didn't have my humidifier on last night, even though it got 40s and therefore the heat constantly running. Just that weird little catch in your throat or any kind of thing has you thinking COVID because instead of us being civilized, we've let this thing drag on for four going on five years. It's an implacable enemy. I know that it's a difficult one, and yet all the things that we had done to stop Similarly implacable ones we abandoned, and we are still suffering for that. We got rid of the task force. We got rid of the CDC early response, early detection team. We it's, and now we're declaring that it's over, even though 250 people are still dying every day. It used to be that we stopped a single life from falling to something like this because we have the technology and we have the will. And we, it. it I can't stand that everything has become so incompetent and so political and acceptable acceptable exactly that and if it is it i make fun of this online but i'm not really making fun have we joined a death cult we worship guns we allow diseases we have
0: but guns are fine and okay but we really need to ban those books because they harm children
1: just that it's funny this really is a theme that seems to get no traction except between colleen and i there's so much Disproportion nowadays about what people care about and act on and put their money into and everything else so like you just said it's provable that these things kill people wreck families destroy lives and yet we're not going to spend a moment on what we really could do with minor repairs we have that weird if we can't do a silver bullet a single thing we're not going to do anything instead of all the incremental progress that real civilization does to keep moving towards a solution and experimenting with what works and what doesn't and decide, even though some things have been working to just say, no, we're done with that. We're rescinding all that and going back to how bad it was 20 and 40 years ago. Damn the facts, damn the statistics, damn the progress made. So much don't get it.
0: Yes. I was just going to say that the problem is that's not how we think so because it makes logical sense it's this just makes sense that's what we do that's the end of the story and it's very hard for us to understand the viewpoint of the people that are supporting all these things that make no sense and the the problem is and this could be a very simplification but i think it gets to the base of the issue is the people in power that want these things know how to get other people to support them and keep them in power and that's all it is that they have the power
1: not by convincing them of that this is the wise thing to do but just and that's funny i i hate trite things and yet sometimes they're just so perfect someone once said the way people deal with things nowadays is something must be done this is something it must be done and those two things don't follow they're not matched they're not correct and yet that's what people do. The first thing that gets said or the thing that gets yelled the loudest yes. becomes what we work on. Instead of it being, we have alternatives. How will we decide between those alternatives? That's the whole crux of the enlightenment. Not only how will you in your heart, in your gut, feel things, intuit things, but how would you be able to share that with others in a approvable, at least an understandable way? And people have just decided, no, nothing's more important. Than what, witnessing? You know, it's ridiculous. And yet we've reverted. We've undone all of that. Here's how science works. Here's why it works for all of us equally. And how important that is. And instead we just now say, um, I looked into his soul or named a trite, ridiculous thing you've heard. I just
0: know it. I just it's know in my heart. No, it's you not don't. even that. It's not even that. Alan's a smart guy, and I hate smart guys, so I'm going to say the opposite see, and exactly louder. Right. It's not
1: only that they're trying to be convincing on themselves. They're just in denial. They are denialists beyond what I ever thought I would see from an adult human being. I know that a little kid's... No! And that's, that's what I hear from some of these people, that they don't have an alternative. They don't have an explanation for why they think or feel as they do. They use the same words about we've done a study or think or do your own research, but none of that matches how decisions are really made by a rational adult.
0: And rational, it's crazy. Not mature.
1: <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, I, I really have gotten out of the habit of having discussions with those people. The minute I see someone who's ridiculous, a troll, et cetera, I've ushered them out of my life by getting rid yep. of them on Facebook or I don't interact on. And like, I tend to be, this is funny. I really realize this. I'm in parts of all different kinds of groups on Facebook, as well as on my own wall, where do I most often post on my own feed? Because there at least I have not control, but I can maintain the consistency and maintain the audience that I want to be interacting there. And that's where I've been able to ferret things out that are terrible. I'm in so many groups that I would be considered a lurker because There's no reason to reply to the worst of the idiots, the worst of the assholes, the worst of the people that are trying to get a rise out of others. I used to have that excuse of, I'm not talking to them, I'm talking to everybody else so that they can see that not everybody agrees with this. And yet, that's not where my time is best spent. It hardly ever seems that people change their minds about things. And I don't want to be the guy, uh, am I going to learn their tactics? Am I going to yell louder? Am I going to brute force it? Am I going to tell lies in order to get my way? Sophistry compared to philosophy is there's such a huge difference. J- Jerry Springer just died. And <laughs> it was that the start? Him and Maury Povich of, we've talked about this before, nothing matters more than that. I have the microphone. It doesn't matter that I have something to say. It doesn't matter that what I have to say is just terrible. My God, I had incestuous relationships with my sister and then my dog. And, and people are in the audience going, yeah, tell us more. How in the world did everybody not turn away in disgust from those kinds of spectacles and now we see it all the time. Yeah. They just had an interview on 60 Minutes with Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she's a nut. There, there's You can't count on her to say anything reasoned or proportional or truthful. You can't count on her. And yet the people that have made a career out of journalism, of trying to be the person that gets the truth, even Leslie Stahl, usually a good interviewer, was flummoxed by, I don't even know how to go here. I can't get her to calm down. I can't get her to answer a direct question of mine. I, and, I, and I always just think, can't you just turn her mic off if you know that you're not going to be seeing anything rational, hearing anything rational from w- what's more dangerous than a maniac with a mic? It used to be that those were the crazy street preachers and apocalyptic crazies out the on the politicians street, and you would just years. kind of turn away as you walk past. But now the crowd gathers, and they not just egg them on as if making fun of the village idiot. They're like, yeah, they're saying what I'm thinking and feeling. Oh my god, yeah. how can you? How can you hear this and not go? That's ridiculous, ridiculous. It worthy of
0: ridicule. Yeah. You know what I mean? These nowadays. The exactly. But I, again, I, you're a thinking, discourse. a mature and thinking adult. That's the difference. And that's right. not what they prey on. They go, and, and this sounds insulting, but they really go for the lowest common denominator. I, okay. This is uh, every time we say shit like this, we, we know it sounds so freaking elitist and all that but the average iq is a hundred that means in america out of a million people that there are 500 000 of them below hundred
1: <laughs> so- that, that they barely passed high school they barely can read and comprehend what they just read they won't retain it to the next session they can't put two facts and say which is probably more true they can't use statistics to say what probably means there's right. always i another thing i've adopted in these last i guess 10 years maybe 20 is the dunning kruger effect that there's so many people <laughs> that not only are they incompetent Daily. but part of their incompetence is not knowing how incompetent they are yes that doesn't stop them it used to be that shame did or a certain amount of i want to learn and i can learn more by listening than by blathering and yet they don't they just whatever but they last heard whatever the,
0: they oh my because God. the difference is if we're in an rg we've got 20 people at a table. And out of that 20, you might have two or three that agree with you. So you've only got two or three supporters, but they can now get online and get a million viral supporters like that. And it justifies what they're thinking. I must be right. Look at this.
1: It is, I mean, that I guess, again, that's why am I not a participant in all kinds of these groups online is because I've always had that signal to noise ratio idea. Where's my time best spent? I, I, it's not really jumping around because this all just one follows into the other. I just had the anniversary of one of my posts, which was, Hey, I got a good test result post melanoma. I'm still here. There's no sign of recurrence. I get to live a little longer. And one of the big things of getting through that, honestly, pretty terrifying thing was you get an idea of, you don't know how much time you have left and therefore you don't want to waste any time. Right. And it's not only am I watching silly TV or I don't know, cleaning the house too much or too little. But it is so much of my interactions with people, I don't want to waste my time with people that it's not worth it. And it's unfortunate how it really is half the world. There's, if it really was that we were just, I can go enjoy a sporting event and like go to a movie and all different kinds of things Then it doesn't matter is a relative intelligence, but all those online discussions, it absolutely does. And That doesn't stop people from doing it. They love that, the echo chamber that they create. They love the, hey, someone else, not realizing they're equally as ignorant as I, agrees with me, and that encourages them and eggs them on. And there's all kinds of, and again, they won't believe this because it's statistics, about how many people, once they think a certain way, it's so hard to get them to change. Especially if the way they made that decision in the first place wasn't based on evaluating facts and seeing where the preponderance of evidence is. And then when more evidence comes in, you'll change. They don't do any of that. And so what could, like a change of heart, there's these things posted all the time. Who will have to die before you think gun control is a good idea? A a direct member of your family, Uh, uh, like a person, a girl at school that your daughter plays with?
0: How many people said, oh, I don't think coronavirus is real. I think it's all stupid wearing the mask. And. Oh, my God, my husband just died. Why didn't we do something? Oh, yeah, crazy.
1: <laughs> I Honestly, and maybe that's unfortunately, storytelling, witnessing is part of how you have to, if you can get through to those people in any way, you have to give them that story for hope that their emotions will finally get them to say, it's, it can't be worth the risk. It can't be worth my righteous feeling if it really is that if I'm wrong, the penalty is so high. And yet for some people, it never, it doesn't seem the penalty can be high enough. It matters so much to them. The death to their ego being wrong is so unhandleable. Yeah. My, to the I,
0: mysterious I, hidden pile, fell.
1: <laughs> no. What's funny is it's May 2nd. I just changed all my calendars to May 1st, to May. And I, we have a plaster and a lathe house. And so nails don't go in perfectly. And sometimes after you've done it a couple of times, plaster like doesn't hold anywhere near like drywall. And then- whatever that what's the physics equation that says 300 days is just right 301 days and it works its way out finally and yeah. then indeed the calendar comes down and then if it hits something on the way down then I get that little cascade of effect of oh now I got to clean up that stack so anyway sometimes it's funny because here I am it just happened right behind me and so I heard it and could figure it out right away when I'm like downstairs reading my last things of the day and then you hear a noise in the house you're like I don't think that's a burglar. What could have fallen? What could have been the nail that finally worked its way loose? It's just haunted. (laughs) And that's, it must be that. I knew that I smelled ectoplasm. Did the wood get cold?
0: I think that's what it was. You know, I just saw an article talking about a survey, something that they found that 62% of college students feel it's okay that if you don't agree with a talk or presentation to shout the presentator down to yell and scream and cause a scene if you don't agree with something
1: because they've had that ridiculous example of people screaming liar people throwing a shoe what like whatever there's i don't know how this happened the social contract that used to make it that we were all in this together there's seven billion people on the planet there's a hundred people in that room you're the stealing of all those people, time and attention used to stop people from doing that. And they don't seem to feel that I should be weighing my needs, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. And the few is often just one, but they're like stimulus response machines. They can't help but say something if it really is so important to them. And no matter how much you say, you don't know what you're talking about. None of that seems to stop certain people. And all it takes is A couple people, the crazies like Trump who talked over everybody at a presidential debate, the crazies in Congress who yelled during the State of the Union address, once you have that fine example, it gives people permission to act out in a way that they just wouldn't have out of Your mother must have taught you better than that. Your teachers must have. Your priest must have. Every influence in your life couldn't possibly have been, let's have anarchy. Let's have everybody shouting at once because that'll get so much done. And we'll convince each other that way. The fact that they are shedding all of what they must have been, if they were rowdy children, somebody must have said, you need to time out. You need to be quiet. You need to let the person that knows what they're talking about talk. Because no matter what you think, you can't know as much as this. And we've talked about that. The disregard for expertise. You know what I mean? This person has studied, you name it, diseases, climate change for 40 years. They made an entire career out of it. And yet, hey, I spent 10 minutes on the Google and I found something because I was looking for denial of this exact thing. And then they just run with it instead of whatever that thing is of learning how to weigh between evidence and gather it and say, wow, 100 scientists say this. Why would I side with the one? Why not go with all these other? Seasoned, reasoned, smart people who have really studied it. It's amazing to me. And the illogic now we've got, it used to be that there was a whole set of here's the ways in which to make sure that the logic of an argument carries forward. You don't have sweeping generalizations, you don't have straw men, all that kind of stuff. Nowadays, it seems that there's a list of how to make your point that doesn't work, doesn't make sense, but it's what you do. So if you don't like what they're saying, attack the sayer, not attack the facts, not attack the reasoning behind the fact. Like, so many people have adopted the worst of that. If I was in, I was in high school debate. If that would have been how it was, then all people did was your mother and just said ridiculous, ugly, loud things. I just would have, wow, I, I can't stand being in the room. Is, is there a way that are there any rules that are going to get this clown gotten rid of every time that we've had that happen in a, on TV or in Congress or whatever? Somebody, some bailiff or some master of the chamber or whatever like that should have come and escorted them out so that the real business that needs to get done can get done because the cost isn't only this big thing if you will of we don't have seasoned discourse anymore because people are yelling out it's that there really are things that have to get done. make a budget and pass the law and do some response to energy and education and ecology and all the ease, all the ease and yet every time that we spend time on, how low should somebody be allowed to wear their pants instead of what can we do to maybe stop crime? That's not a crime in comparison to rape, pillage, plunder, murder, financial irregularities. And yet people spend their time on terrible trivia
0: <laughs> and that, how is that they've lost so much sense of significance instead of importance? And what uh. you're saying about the justification Trump started his own social media so he could post whatever he wants and everybody agrees with him. And then it's just, see, everybody agrees with me. It's like self feeding and created. And then I read an article about this one Senate uh, committee, whatever, and it had whatever, five topics they were going to talk about and Marjorie Taylor showed up 10 minutes late, right. When they were starting the topic she was interested in. She interrupted, yelled, screamed, caused a fuss, got all the cameras, all the pictures. And then when they moved on to the next topic, she got up and left. She and she was a part of the committee. She was supposed exactly. to be there the whole time, but she only showed up to get her sound bites and her arguing and people to go, yeah, you're go- you're saying it for us. No, that's she's right. not.
1: And yeah, You would think exactly that. Once you see that that's how it's done, doesn't somebody somewhere say, she doesn't care about her responsibilities to the committee. She's not there to help make good decisions on the other four issues out of five. She's there to get her TV time. She's there to just screech, and then my screeching is done. And so you guys can—is she the asshole that comes in on a project and says, "I'm going to do nothing, but I'm going to still get the same grade as all of you"? The and and that's not,
0: is, the <sighs> couple that do speak up are suddenly then attacked by her. You know what? They were they used their own they ripped this money off from their committee and that's why they're driving this such and such a car and and they just make up stuff and point the camera at that person and suddenly the person's under attack. That's and right. believe me, I've had that happen to me getting under attack for something you didn't do. Absolutely. and, and it's well wait a second and then no one believes you. You're guilty. Because you can't prove you're innocent.
1: And and, that's, boy, in the personal way and in the big way, this is so incredibly frustrating. And unfortunately, it's not only like government at large. How many groups am I in nowadays that it only takes one drop of urine to spoil a whole gallon of milk? Some (laughs) jerk shows up and wrecks it. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm not involved in certain things. I used to spend a lot of time in is because I didn't want to deal with the jerk. And even when I tried to deal with the jerk, I wasn't getting a lot of help from other people that I thought would have cared about it as much as me. And so was I going to fight? Was I going to have every month horrible like gut pains about what meeting I'm going to go into and what kinds of things people are like, are you not going to be responsible for the money? Are you not going to be like, I have sometimes stayed and fought for too long and resented it. And sometimes I just said, my time, what I just said, I had cancer. You think that I care two shits about what you're trying to do at this academic setting or this volunteer setting or this political setting? And you just like, nowadays, it's funny, vocabulary grows because the word flounce came into being because assholes that loved getting good people to get out of a group and the good person in parting would say, Here's why I can't be here anymore because this relentless negativity and this relentless lying and all of these things that like, I don't know, we have one group that there's a gag rule in place, whatever the group decides, you can't then share with outsiders how the group decided what your opinion was. You didn't have to speak in support of the thing. And who does that? Who really says, okay, "I, I can't be part of a group like that where you, I want to be able to justify to other people how did you make the decision? What facts did you use? What numbers, whatever else it might be? And that way, it's not just the dictatorial, hey, the, the 21 of us decided to do this and now you have to abide by it. You want to persuade, you want to convince, you want to inform. And that's not how some people are when they get in power. And, and then when I say that thing, like I, that's flouncing, is oh, ha ha, we got his goat. We made it so unpleasant for them to be around that now. We get to be in control of these resources. We get to speak for what once was a good thing. So I guess we win. And then they watch the numbers drop and they watch the money go away. And they're like, wow, I guess we should have learned how to.
0: But you're you're (laughs) wrong. I think you're wrong there. That the ones (laughs) that push and do that, they don't hit that next step. They don't hit the, oh, look at the consequences of our actions. It's just, we won. Good for us. And they move on. And that's the exact same for the riot. And uh, they don't, it's uh, all these people going, I had this argument with a relative that I wish Trump was back in charge because at least the gas prices weren't this high. Do you think that Trump said Boop, all the gas prices need to be lower and everybody lowered it? I'm like, how do you explain gas prices in Brazil or England or Australia? He didn't affect any of those. They went up all over the place, not just in America. So I, I, and then, then my joke became that every time something happened, it's scientists discover this new neutrino. Thank God Trump got them to do that. And now this Ooh. new car came out with 57 miles to the gallon. Thank God Trump did that. It was a ridiculous... Right.
1: But you can't be ridiculous enough. They're ready to see that and you just beat them to it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's... Wow. It. I know and that... Then,
0: and the thing... What you're saying here is exactly why we're losing all of our teachers, because teachers, that is the most, I've had several teachers on my podcast and we talk about learning and teaching and some of the things I'm wanting to do with kids. And they're like, oh, you'd make a great teacher. I'm like, no, I wouldn't want to do that job. I'm like, because teachers can't teach. They're told you have to do this curriculum, even though the common core stuff, even though it's just for the numbers and the kids aren't learning anything. And the minute a kid wants to complain, Everybody supports that and the teacher's in trouble, even if they didn't do anything wrong because Absolutely. the school and the board's too afraid the parents are going to go turn right around and sue the school. So kids can do whatever they want and nobody does anything or can do anything about it. And the teachers yeah. are in the middle and the one's in trouble. And it's why are we losing? Why can't we get any good teachers? Maybe it's because everybody's a freaking idiot. And instead right. of when your Who kid don't acts support
1: up, them when they, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I had problems with scouts in when I was in scouts that these kids were getting bullied and picked on, the school's answer was to tell the parent of the bullied kid, why don't you pull them out of school and homeschool them? Not doing anything about the bully because, and not even calling the parents in to alert them. The asshole. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I had that situation. I'm like, are you kidding me? These kids are going to do it again. How is this the answer?
1: It's because sometimes I don't care only about always being faithful to logic the good guy once in a while it's fun to just cut to the chase and say when someone says something ridiculous say wow your parents sucked they didn't teach you any of this like right away i want to be like let me talk about your mother and what a whore she is please don't world i don't do that all the time but once in a while when the person is hyper aggressive and is has already gone beyond the boundaries of reason it's let's fight then let's fight. You think you can beat me if we get into an insult fight? I'm a big enough guy. I don't have to back down. Maybe you have a gun. Oh no, that would be an unfortunate thing. You brought a gun to a book discussion group or whatever else it might be. I talk about this with Colleen all the time. We, out of following the social contract and trying to make society a better place, we swallow little indignities all the time where someone doesn't give you good service or someone cuts in front of you in line or someone's a shitty driver or whatever else it might be. But then once in a while, you meet the person that they're really so bad that all that little frustration that's built in, unleash it. Give them both barrels. They deserve, it might be out of proportion at that time, but it feels so good for yourself, for your own psyche and self-worth and just your position in society to be like, I just don't want to eat one more. Gosh, I guess I'll have to think about that. We're both entitled to our opinions. No, once in a while, it's just, I don't know. I We've talked about this early in the podcast world. uh, I wait for the world to catch up 99% of my life. (laughs) I think very quickly and I make connections quickly and I have a lot of information in me. And most of the time, maybe it's also a little bit of, we don't get surprised by movie plots anymore and all that kind of stuff. But especially about those kinds of things in real-time discussions, there's hardly ever a time when I'm worried about someone's going to present me with a new fact or surprise me because you see the patterns develop early on of they're just reciting the idiot playbook and I'm already like three pages down and how will I head them off from wasting more of our and the group's time? It once in a while, it's just, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And every time they start to speak, it's just like the best solution that I can come up with is you don't get to talk. It is obvious that you're wasting everybody's time and that you don't care about that. So I can't tackle you and muzzle you but, and, and it's funny, I don't do it like aggressively to be the jerk too, but it's fun to make fun of it. Like the Dr. Evil scenes in Austin Powers, which, and just let watch them boil over frustrated with, what, I don't get to grab the floor whenever I want? I don't get to grab the microphone and force you to listen to me? No, you really don't. Once in a while, you've just, you've lost, you can't hold the shell. You can't hold the conch. No one wants to hear what you say. And once in a while, it's also, you turn to the group and you say does anybody want to hear what this interrupter wants to say instead of the presenter no one does right. and so shut up and let the presenter finish and sometimes the presenter is me like yes. that's what i have to do after i've had three interrupted questions it's like folks i brought a lot of interesting material i think that you came here to hear it is it okay if i tell this guy that we'll get to this after the talk and if he can't control himself then we're going to have them shown out. Is that okay? And almost always the room is on your side. And I don't think that's bullying. I don't think that's my being a control no. freak or having to be the one speaking instead. But that's, You, you are the own. one supposed to be speaking. They're the disruptor. They're the bully. They're the ass. And I, I, I want, saw... you have to see something. If somebody's looking at their phone in the theater and I kick the back of their chair and people are like, why are you making a scene? I'm not making the scene. I'm trying to stop the scene, which is this glowing blue in the middle of a darkened theater because their life is, oh, they must be a doctor taking a call so they can rush off and save a life. No, I can see that they're looking at TikTok or whatever bullshit is in their life.
0: Right. I I did see, I, I loved it. I saw one of your Mad Magazine talks and there was a guy that interrupted you several times And wanting to say mean, nasty things about this, that, and the other thing and bring politics into it and all sorts of stuff. And you're like, I I understand you have thoughts and opinions, but this is my talk.
1: Matt had talked about Trump.
0: Yes. Yes. I said, you said, this is my talk. I'm going to give my material and we're not going to be interrupted by you. If you don't like that, you are more than welcome to leave, but I'm not taking any more interruptions like that or something along those lines. And I was like, all right.
1: You know, because what was funny, righteous is not that you feel that you're right. Righteous is when you really have more facts and you should grab the bullet pulpit and say. So he was talking about, can we please not have any insults to Trump? Yes. If you knew anything about Mad Magazine, which is what I'm trying to tell you, there has not been a single president since Mad Magazine started in the 50s that they haven't found a way to lampoon and tease and tell the truth about. And why should he be any exception? Of course, he's not. You're saying he's an exception to all the presidents. No, it it isn't that he deserves it more, but he sure doesn't deserve none either. And in trying to explain that, you can see all the heads nodding in the room. And so, yes, why are you going to talk about Mad Magazine if you really don't even get the heart of what Mad is, which is to make fun of everything? Everything. Nothing is taboo.
0: Now Trump so, did get his own special edition book from Mad Magazine. So we'll right. give him that
1: one. Because there was so much material. There he, someone who lies twenty thousand times while in office, you don't have to hold back. You right. kinda he's writing the material for us. All so, he has to do was comment in a witty way on all the ridiculous things he
0: said and did. It, some terrible, people say evil. Always try and find the silver lining, something good out of everything. There you go. For the four years Trump was in, it was enough material to keep Mad Magazine in business. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's every parody site, The Onion and The Babylon Bee and everybody. I've seen any number of interviews where you guys must have had a field day during that time. It's actually, no. One of the points of parody and satire is to compare things to the real world in a way that's just a little bit different. So people have to think about, wow, that's uncomfortably close to the truth. When you have someone that is themselves a living parody, they say things that you can't believe they're saying it because it's so ridiculous, so ugly, like you you can't write a satire that isn't unbelievable because someone is doing those things for real. And so it makes their job harder instead of easier when you've got...
0: Someone who's a living lampoon.
1: Anyway, I. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, that wasn't even like a topic we had for today. But before I-, I had a revelation, and this is a personal revelation. Like when you said at that one meeting uh, that you were talking at, you said how rock and roll is blues based, but prog rock is more classical based. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've been listening to it wrong all these years. And when you listen to it with the classical ear, trained to it it's a different experience and I'm like oh my gosh it was a revelation so I had another revelation along those lines between DC and Marvel because they're different brands of storytelling for the superheroes and people like one or the other and I was like but what really makes them different so I think for me at least the way I think of DC and Marvel to describe them is DC is like telling the Greek mythologies through a soap opera that's what it is Marvel, okay. on the other hand, is a new age pulp fiction serial, and it's th- a little bit like how they're different in their storytelling and the okay. way they do it. Because Marvel's that bigger, flashier, more loose, whereas DC, you sometimes it's quote unquote a little more mature based and a, a lot more interactions sometimes and stuff. So that was just my thinking the other day. I was like, wow, I like that description. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, I, boy, I got to think about that because any number of other—it's hard to do a monolithic uh, statement about things that have been running for 50, 60 years, 70 80. years because there have been changes in what Marvel and DC right. have done over the course of time, and what made Marvel so successful in the '60s was that they were hip current more personalized compared to the archetype stories if you will and maybe the absurd things that dc was doing at the time and then dc adopted some of marvel's things of let's personalize the heroes let's have it not only Biff, bam pow but they must have a love life they must have families there must be generational things right. going on and as dc adopted some of that and as marvel adopted some of the funny i think that marvel has led in almost every way and that there's been some trading back and forth but i can't think of the breakthrough that dc had compared to marvel except for the longevity you know what i mean that they've been around since the 30s instead of the 60s right. and that they already had the stable of golden age things and let's see i guess i might say if we're talking about the multiverse dc had that first where they had flash of two worlds and then the justice league crossovers and stuff and i just talked about this a little bit that it was very cool for them to think We've got these corpuses, these bodies of work, and is there a way that we don't have to, like there was a, there was in the late 50s, Silver Age things were done to modernize, make new versions of the Flash, Green Lantern, Adam, et cetera, et cetera. And then someone with either nostalgia or bigger storytelling or dollar sign said, there's a way that we could have both of those, we could appeal to the people who still like the Golden Age Green Lantern, as well as the magic-based and the more modern science-based, and what could we do to bring those together? And they found a way. So yeah. I thought that was cool. The multiverse idea, that explosion of, it wasn't like when they talked about in the modern DC that those were just stories. And then you find out actually they're biographies that those people really did exist. <laughs> so I like that. It. I have been catching up on a ton of stuff from That's going cool. to the library, honestly, bringing home a bag of <laughs> all the graphic novels and collections that are now available because I'm not buying regularly. And I'll, uh, it, wow such cool stuff for instance going on in x-men where they have krakoa the island that's enabled x-men to be and so a little bit of if you're going to have that it used to be that the stereotype was nobody really dies they find a way to bring somebody back whether it was the lazarus pit or whether it was bring an earth two alternative back into earth one or something like that but now they have this way of the scope of things of what they're doing in the x-men to have death and rebirth be a complete cycle and what can happen if that gets screwed up and I just read what's called the Hellfire, Hellfire Gala where they, the mutants are not, they're not dictators but they sure are influencing the world in a big way and they just decided to terraform Mars. The X Men had a problem with, we're going to go to Genosha Island and then what if that place gets attacked by the Ultra Sentinels or whatever it was and we had a horrible genocide, near genocide. Now it's, let's go to another planet. We'll be relatively safe there because there's only so many military crazies that can reach us. They got to build a rocket and put enough armaments on that rocket. So the scope of that, of whoever came up with these cool stories about here's the the public quiet council, here's the people that and, and... it isn't only X-Men heroes versus villains now. They're really trying to say what matters is that all mutants band together because we're all under attack, all under duress. But then you have that little bit what we just talked about. On the Quiet Council, you've got people that really are working towards the betterment of mutant kind. And some people, they got their own agendas. And if anything, they're there even just to, just to disrupt and still be Villains don't have to be megalomaniacs. Some people just want chaos. They just want to see the world burn. We, and we how were do just you talking that? about Even
0: that. Him in. Sorry. We were just talking about that.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And so it's, I, I love, like, I don't know, I read a whole bunch of Ghost Rider and a whole bunch of, and honestly, whatever they try to do to expand the scope of Ghost Rider, or I read the Canal series where the symbiotes came from the other planet. There was a whole series of interconnected annuals and stuff like that. And It wasn't big and novel. So the earth has been attacked by the Cree, the Skrulls, the, the, what was it? The Annihilus wave. There's all kinds of other kind of cosmic things, but then it's just a matter of like distance and bring in more races. Oh, the Badoon are involved. Oh, the whoever else. But it wasn't different enough. Whereas some of these things are just like Jonathan Hickman, who did vast expansion of the Fantastic Four and then the Avengers and then the X-Men. God, hold on to that guy. He's just done so much of that retconning that I love, where it's like everything that's gone before, all that still matters, all that's real, no, what was really going on over here. I'm going to tell you the story of that. And you find out about the Illuminati and how they really have been trying to run the world and like he picked these six particular people. Why would they have been the ones that would appoint themselves that? Why would they be the ones that would exclude others from doing it? And just i don't know i'm really enjoying comics and of course what am i really going is oh i wish i would have been reading these as they were coming out because <laughs> part of the joy of that is you get to the cliffhanger ending in an yeah. next men and you got to wait another month and as i've often talked about isn't it a delight to be like what's going on there what would i do what would i like to see happen? you know and you talk to your friends and you right. maybe i haven't always gone online because i don't want spoilers and i don't want i don't know i don't like to discuss it as much i just like to Think about it and see what is unveiled. But there, just that, there's been all kinds of good stuff that I'm thinking I, and this is a terrible thing. Maybe you have this too. I go to the library, and of course, what do they have? One, two, three, six, seven. And I'm like, well, am I really going to jump to six, seven and miss what was going on in four and five? I want to, I have to, because I got these and I got to return to the library. But then when they, of course, back reference cool things, it's like I hope I find that one day, because it sounds like a really great story. All the things that have been going on with the Hulk to make it that it's not just gamma radiation. There's actually some sinister supernatural elements going on there. Joe fixed his back because the Hulk has been depowered. All kinds of cool stuff. And I, there's so much to talk about in the world of comics that I just love seeing they continue to create. And what an interesting thing to be, comics are not the sales force that they once were. Sales are only limited to a certain thing. Nowadays, who really reads? Maybe people do it online digitally or they wait for the movies to come out. And a lot of ways, comics only exist to be the proving ground, the launching for new characters, new storylines, that kind of stuff. So why do we have Kang or Thanos or Annihilus or Ultron? Because those were some of the big bads. When they make the Korvac saga, finally, where it was... Michael, like unto God, so powerful, et cetera, et cetera. I'm wondering how they're going to portray that because a lot of the power of that was not that it had many years built up like Kang did, but that he appeared out uh, like what would happen to this thing if it was suddenly hyper-powered and with great power comes responsibility. Also, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And this was a huge playing out of exactly those philosophical opposites. Jim Shooter, who just talked at the Cleveland Comic-Con, talked about that That, that's one of the works that he's proudest of and when i went back to this like i remember reading that in college and going this really kicks it up a notch this really is better than most of what's going on that would be it was the same league as alan moore on swamp thing which was revolutionary and like Stu and i my my best friend and college roommate every issue that was coming out i'd read it because it was mine and then i handed off to him and they're like as you could see how deep he was getting to the comic book and he's you could tell what scene he was getting to because he was having the same reaction of
0: ah, that's so cool that's so well written And and we've talked about this before Especially me, because I don't live really close. So, if I go to the library, I want to get what I want. So, yes. Akron, Cleveland, Kyoga, you can get online and search and request to hold, and they'll put everything and hold it for you. Or, now a lot of the new stuff is on Hoopla, which is connected to your library. So, that's very
1: handy. I regularly yeah. think read things in Comicsology because I have a subscription, and on Hoopla, because Libraries are starting to have things that even the big on online for the paid services, it's all a matter of licensing and things drop in and out because of licensing. Whereas the library, once they have it funny, they have it forever. They right. own that copy. And, and that's going to start to happen again, jumping around a little bit. Netflix has just announced as of September, oh. they are no longer doing discs. It's only going to be streaming. I'm and heartbroken. About this. I have so much caught up on various different things by watching everything in this CD box set D, sorry. How did I catch all the X-Men? not by waiting for it to finally be streaming, but because I got them and watched them faithfully, four episodes of Disc or whatever like that, and the cool commentary by Chris Carter and stuff like that, and uh, behind the scenes and all that stuff. And they used to make DVD box sets that really had all those value adds and stuff like that. And soon you're like, I've gotten things from the library that they've already been watched so many times that they're kind of like getting scratchy, if you know what I'm trying to say. In my lifetime, it's going to be again to... I want to watch a movie from the 50s, but unless I find the place that has it and borrow it, rent it physically, they don't seem to stream a whole bunch of, maybe I'm not going to the right places. There's Turner Classics. There's places that specialize in each of the various different kinds of movies. There's tons of anime. There's tons of old black and whiteies and stuff like that. And having said that, I got to get really good at something you and I have talked about. I don't, I'm going to have to, okay, I'm going to turn this service on watch the hell out of things for like two or three months because i don't want to have it forever i don't want to pay 9.99 every month 120 bucks a year to just have the ability to watch it i want to get in there watch all of what i want to watch catch up on all the old film noir dial M for murder and whatever else it might be and then shut it off because as compared to new stuff always coming out on netflix and amazon if you watch the historic stuff they're not making old historics i mean they're making new historics you really time travelers
0: have haven't done that yet <laughs>
1: <laughs> and our aficionados thing that we had going on where we watched 100 movies of all time based on the american film institute we had to get those on disc almost all the time they were just starting right. to doing streaming that they had these older movies and so when i have often proposed man it was a great experience you should do that too to all my friends i'm now realizing they're going to have a much harder time of it because they're not going to be able to use netflix to dutifully send right. them the next disc they're going to have to find them and if their local library isn't complete hopefully they have the expanding network of library systems that you can say i would like both godfather one and two please but then it's in demand and maybe you're not going to get it for six months or right. whatever it might be
0: or sometimes libraries will trade and switch and stuff but they have different <laughs> programs sometimes it's like you, you pay a three dollar fee or something and, and that becomes it's gonna cost me five bucks and i gotta wait six weeks to get this movie is it worth it and it's weird because for the for quite a while now we've been able to say hey our kids, pretty much everything that's ever been made is available. But like you said, that's going to be disappearing. DVDs are slowly dying. Everyone's got Blu-ray. But even then, more more people are just doing the streaming. And if it's not available, oh, they just don't think about it or care.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, this is another thing, a revelation, I guess, that Colleen and I and Scott and whoever else did Aficionados came to, is that I have talked about we like active, actively choose what we're going to watch. Some part of my wanting to be a completist, a collector, it filters into this. If I'm gonna watch who's the best directors of all time, Alfred Hitchcock, for instance, I want to watch all of them. And then you really have to seek out who's got what. And I wanted to watch him in chronological order to watch his development as a director, but that was next to impossible to do. And so we've seen, I'd say 80%, some we just couldn't get from anywhere. Some like the wait was too long. And so we went on and maybe one day they'll become available. And it's almost like a little celebration when Netflix says, no, it's not in the, what is it? The suspense queue down at the bottom, but it's the actual queue. It's like, oh, we better get it because that one copy that they've got, it's going to get chewed up by other people before I have." said that and the revelation is i don't know that many people that are active watchers like that they love their series they will watch each episode of ted lasso as it comes out or their star wars fans obviously on star trek and various different things but that all seems to be often seems to be it's what's coming out now i sit down on tv and i boop around with my streaming device and oh a new episode and they go in i don't know that many people that like maintain a list like i do that i really have i really would like to watch let's see Kolchak the Night Stalker. Some people know it exists and that it really was the progenitor for X-Files and all those monster of the week type things, supernatural, that kind of thing. And yet, I don't know that many people that are doing that. Even though I've recommended and said, it's so fascinating to see old stars when they were young and really at the height of their powers it's very cool to see the first time that a different camera technique was used someone had to do the simultaneous zoom in and zoom out which is really disorienting where you're coming in on someone's face but the room is fading away and like someone thought of doing that first and i guess that's a little bit again it's geeky here what we talk about it here on our wonderful <laughs> relentless geekery podcast but like knowing that was the first time that they did some of those things, the first time there was a double image, and we're going back to like the 20s and stuff like that, right? The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or whatever else it might have been, and Phantom Carriage. The, the Phantom. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. I like that, and I think that that part of what builds your appreciation is if you start doing that, then you get an idea of wow, those old ones really had excellent acting, excellent dialogue. The things might seem a little primitive compared to today, but stories weren't primitive you know what i mean they really were like when you see the first version of the first movie made about the titanic and it's not james cameron's there's been like five before i i just i guess i like the history of that and i like the craft that went into a cgi server farm that could create whatever you wanted but you had to find some way of portraying another dimension or a planet a, a, a island that you had never been to how do you portray a dinosaur in lost world when you don't like have a dinosaur in a stable outside right. <laughs> so they had to do the stop action stuff they had to do the special effects that were available at the time and ray harryhausen is renowned for how did he do it so well that he looks like he's really battling skeletons in the seventh voyage of sinbad and and some of the things are so corny you watch old Flash Gordon and the little spaceship coming in like on a string, spring. you know what I mean? It's obvious that it's just. Right.
0: <laughs> what, what we said earlier about listening to guitar guitar rock and prog rock, it's different ways of listening to it. Watching Marvel Endgame as opposed to the, the Cabinet Doctor Caligari, it's two different ways of watching it. You can't watch them the same. And there's some people that just don't want to, don't care to, and aren't bothered. Oh, this movie's stupid. And their only criteria is the big crisp screens that look like real spaceships. That's a movie. This is stupid. And you really got to have a uh, a different way of looking at some of this stuff.
1: That's a great way to put it. And in fact, that would make, I have been so remiss in this. We have g- many good ideas for lists, top tens. And one of the things that would be, one of the top ten movies that initially people modern people would poo it that's not splashy special effects it's not it takes too long to tell the story etc but if you showed them this movie they would learn how well crafted it was to build dread that when the final scare happened it wasn't a series of jump scares that just had you startled but it was like you really were like getting uneasy because oh my god what's going on that guy's gonna get it don't go down there don't go and like the haunting of hill house like there's certain movies and certain scenes that you won't be able to believe how much they had you by the throat in fear and it wasn't showing anything. It wasn't, here's the monster, lots of tentacles, blood, teeth. No, it just was all your imagination and yet they were great with the sound effects and the camera work and the. Uh, I, uh, the I, we can start naming movies that are like that, that if you want to get a feel for big battles, that it isn't necessarily countless CGI soldiers and or extras in the star Wars movies go back to something like Lawrence of Arabia, where there really were like 10,000 extras (laughs) bashing into each other in the desert and stuff like that. And someone really choreographed all of that. And really it looks like serious, like people are dying.
0: Ben-Hur didn't Ben-Hur bring about the whole animal protection in movies. I guess
1: that's right. Because horses were getting in the, yes, I think So, the fact that they could make it that realistic and maybe unfortunately it was realistic animal laws. There really might've been somebody run over a dog getting hurt or something worse, that kind of stuff. Anyway, I, that, that would be an interesting thing just out of not trying to be pedantic. That's not a history lesson, but it's more appreciate that. I don't know. And it's not only movies, it's books. When people read something from 50 years ago, it's not only corny science fiction. Like if it's 23, the fifties is 73, there was all kinds of fantastic, like that's the birth of cyberpunk. Right. You know what I mean? The very first things coming out from the first idea of the metaverse, that there is a, a virtual world that you can inhabit and stuff like that. So from, and I'm trying to, you know, what else? The first idea, like biological horror, that it wasn't just that things were outside ghosts and goblins and, and werewolves, but that what if it was like a virus that took you over? And anyway, I just, it, it would be interesting to try to say what are the formative movies in that way that people will get an appreciation for it, for its time. It was fantastic and it still holds up pretty well. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Something... yeah. Me,
0: me and Reese talk about that a lot with the horror movies, of uh, course. because we've watched We watch a lot of modern movies, but they're movies that most people haven't even heard of that are from other countries or hard to get. But we've watched a couple from the 60s, even one back to 1921, Silent Movie. So we we talk a lot about that, how some of the modern ones, we don't think they're, quote unquote, horror scary, just because it's a slasher jump throw. And yeah, we like the gothic feel, the dread, the buildup. Yeah.
1: In fact, this is, and it it's funny, I hope that one of the things that it'll get is people, I want. I hope that people will appreciate that things are not as they always have been like they are now. I By luck, I visited with my mom yesterday. I still go see her multiple times a week over at Arden Court. And often she's in the activity room and then it's doing whatever's going on. But once in a while we're in the TV room and whatever happens to be up. And they often watch old black and white movies because that is in some cases very calming, very solace to right. people. That's what memories they have. So the courtship of Eddie's father came on. <laughs> And it was Glenn Ford and Shirley Jones. I'm trying to think who else. And it really was a little over the top. The emotions were like you went from nothing to anger. You went from anger to anguish. The little boy had a screaming fit because his goldfish died. And it's okay, that's pretty loud and it's going on too long. But having said that, they, it wasn't, they took their time showing those things instead of it being Little boy has a fit. Oh, let's let you make him better, give him a chocolate cupcake, whatever else it might be. They took time to explore the emotions and the relationships. And back then, maybe, it was men were men and women were women. And it wasn't a lot of roles were that people had roles that they regularly inhabited for who's the leader in a relationship. And it isn't that's the way it should be, but to understand what was going on in this movie, you have to say, this guy's just become a widower and he's heartbroken, and so he's rever- reverting to his most male macho, I make the decisions, I'm in pain, etc., etc. and how someone has to work their way into his confidence and be kind enough and sweet enough, but also assertive enough to get him to come out of his defensive shell that he's created because of the pain that he's in. And I'm sure there are modern movies that also discuss similar things, but this was Pretty breakthrough for the 50s that it was done in. That was when the Honeymooners was going on and everything was about what blustering asses men were, maybe still are, and that they just had, it was very interesting to see, despite the stereotypes of from Mad Men of what went on in the 50s, there were still nuance. There were still, women weren't only pants wearing Annie Oakley's or femme fatales or like PTA moms that they had complex characters even back then and, and things like that. So I, I don't know that I watch as many of those as I could and should because the pull of, Hey, the newest baking show is on here's Ted Lasso newest comedy special. I will say that. Do you know who John Mullaney you've seen yeah, John Mulaney yeah, yeah, yeah. comedy, his latest comedy special hit all the wrong buttons for me. Oh. So if you haven't seen it, it's called, I think, Baby J, if I remember right. Sweeping statement. I think that tales of someone who's been an addict and then and fu- hurt so many people, wrecked his life and comes back out of it. What I always say for those tales is, hey, how about if you weren't an addict in the first place? How about if you weren't so weak and wrong and needy? and that you didn't do all that shit. And then somehow you're the hero now because you recovered, but left all this wreckage in your wake. Long ago, I remember seeing, I did a book I think called Permanent Midnight or something like that, where he was so high while he was working as a screenwriter in Hollywood that he actually cut the umbilical cord of his baby without realizing he was even there. He was so high. And like, how is that heroic? You almost killed your child. How can that be something that you are embarrassed? And like, sometimes the coming out in embarrassment of all these stories that might be cathartic for him and it might be that gains you a little bit of oh, not be celebrated though you know what it would have been braver to be a human being that didn't let themselves fall so deep into that pit that they lost all their money wrecked their marriage almost killed their child how about that how about the people that quietly go on the charles bronsons in the magnificent seven who have the bravery to do The necessary little things, instead of it only being about how far can I fall? Oh, but then I make a recovery and now I'm the hero. When you see that, I hope I haven't shaded it too much because still very funny parts, but that overall thing of like, where people are so proud for handling their difficulties, you mean the self-inflicted ones? You mean the ones where you totally fucking screwed up? I don't like you now. I like him less as a person because I now I know that, and some part of that is, and we can, like, when I hear someone nowadays say... This thing that Ted Cruz did, finally, I just can't be a fan of his anymore. And I'm like, so this thing, not the first hundred things <laughs> that Ted Cruz did that were all appalling and vile and evil and nasty. This is the one that puts you over the top. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with <laughs> you, you? Don't have discerning enough taste to say I don't need to give this guy any more rope when someone tells you shows you that they're an asshole believe them <laughs> you know what i mean they're not hiding much more you can count on them to be that jerk a lot all the time forever after you've seen a pattern develop why people get to that weird i'm going to give them 101st chance because the first hundred weren't enough to be convincing yes. so that's part of what's going on here too is i wish that Keith like talks about there's a, he had, his friends had an intervention for him and i there's a whole bunch of friends that were like oh we got to pull you back from the edge How come the friends didn't in the three years that he got himself to this terrible place, say, stop taking drugs. Stop. You know what I mean? There could have been all kinds of chances for little intervention (laughs) instead of the big dramatic walk into a hotel room. What are you all doing here? I don't know. And I can't, I've had people that had difficulties in their lives and only once in a while I've actually like myself been brave enough to take them aside and say, are you sure you know what you're doing here? You know what I mean? This really seems that it's, costing you a lot how does this serve you how is this good for those around you and but most of the time it's kind of like i i don't know that i feel what would you call it authorized to say such things i don't have insight into people's lives in a way that you don't know why they're in that situation all the details all of it but once in a while there really are time to speak up time to speak up and not let rush limbaugh take oxycontin and buy from a drug dealer, and et cetera, et cetera. Somebody decent in his life should have said, this isn't you. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be spending your money on this. You shouldn't be lying about it. You shouldn't be the hypocrite that says how bad these things are while you're doing it themselves. Nope. <laughs> Nobody came to the guy and said that kind of stuff. So I guess I hope John Mulaney has some good enough friends. And I don't know, if you're glib, cunning, wonderful in so many other ways, you can just paper all that stuff over So I'm sure that he was really good at deflecting and hiding. And and yet, wow, he just made how much money from that special? And there's other people that would have been, maybe you should
0: slink from the scene. This isn't anything to be proud of. This is terrible stuff. So (laughs) My one thing with that is he's big, popular, everyone. Oh, look at this and great, like you said. But what about the poor person who has two kids and is single and had to struggle through the same thing and almost lost their kids and came back. And then people looked down upon them. You were a drug addict. It's a total two, two sides that people That's look right. at and don't that, treat that it the same. of
1: celebrity that people use to get out of things that other yeah. people would have gone down for. You know yeah. what I mean? That kind of thing too. So I guess I don't mean to be totally condemning. Like I said, he's brave and insightful about his ability to look back at what kinds of things he did and that he can't believe that he did it, but he's going to share it with you because that's part of his apology, if you will, for it. And yet he got away with a whole bunch of bad stuff. And I don't know about getting away. He really did wreck his marriage, lose money. He has to rebuild his career. He's unbookable in certain places because you can't do that kind of drugs and not show up for your show that they just have $100,000 worth of tickets to or whatever else it might be. So there's penalties here. And yet I'm not as easily a forgiver of self-inflicted stuff, people that have been through stuff that the world really turned on them and they got through terrible situations. I so much am encouraging of them and support of them. And how can I help them? But like when there must have been people that were saying, hey, man, John, staying up 72 hours on cocaine might not be a good idea. And he's like, oh, I can handle it. After a while, you stop talking to him, don't you? Yeah. You stop giving him good advice because he's abandoned it the last 10 times. I'm sure we both had friends of yes, no yeah.
0: I had some ex-family members now that they were not healthy people, didn't take care of themselves, didn't eat right, didn't get any exercise, and were very large. And then they ran into a lot of health problems. And one one of them went basically blind because of it had a, their system oh. so poisoned and they, when they would want something, they'd call and just expect people to drop everything to come help them out because, well, right. I'm so unhealthy. I'm too big and I'm blind and blah, blah, blah. And it's, but you did that to yourself. Why should I drop everything and disrupt my life for this Saturday afternoon to help you out? Right. I don't mind helping, but give me time. And like other family members were down upon me because they need help. I feel sorry for them and stuff. Okay, to a point, but it was their choosing essentially. They chose this. They knew that it could have happened and it did. So why do I have to now be burdened because they chose to do this? Which sounds very callous and selfish, because then it's what if something happens to you? What's the situation? Was I obeying the speeding limit and somebody else blindsided me and now I'm paralyzed? That's a little different than choosing to lead an unhealthy lifestyle
1: exactly and it, the person calls you and says hey can you help me out here okay what do you need some cigarettes and a coffee cake from Entenmann's and a six pack of beer right. sure i'll stop by and pick up the self-harm trifecta for you anything else you need <laughs> how, about, you know some, how about six
0: cheeseburgers
1: <laughs> because yeah now you're like am i the enabler that i see your situation and you're asking me to join in with you on this difficult state you put yourself in right I, Long ago, my life spring courses were a lot about that. Speak to someone's strength, speak to someone's improvement. Don't let them get you to buy in on they can't. They're too scared. They're too incapable because they have put themselves into many situations. It's all over the map. Not everybody's like that. Sometimes it really is a matter of happens and and the world hasn't treated you kindly. But those kinds of things, the self-limitations, the self-harm, it's really hard for me to say, yeah, you lost your license because you drank so much. And now I got to give you rides? No, I guess maybe some of the tough love is going to be look at what you did to wreck your life. If you want to get your license back, you need to stop drinking to where you were putting all of us out on the road at risk. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> all
0: right. We ran over a little bit. Uh, so,
1: interesting. This is the geeky stuff, though. Yeah. The geeky thing that is how do you help someone in their life? I still want it to be if I had to explain to somebody else what I'm doing here's my rationale. Here's what I'm thinking and feeling while I'm doing it. And I'd like the other person to go, okay, that makes sense. Instead of, what are you doing? It's important to be seen as a rational person, to be a rational person, (laughs) to get that example out there. So at the heart of Relentless Geekery is the day-to-day philosophy of be thoughtful anyway i know yep. we've gone over and i will, nope. I, will to, yep. I have a trivia contest for you a trivia okay question yes for you. so yes culture quest we culture did quest weekend, and we'll do this next week but there's all kinds of good things hecate is a minor goddess in the greek pantheon and she was of magic and illusion maybe misdirection what's the roman equivalent of hecate not loki is it <laughs> It, no it's not it, it, but at the trickster gods like that like coyote and loki are along the lines and and i by the way i guessed and got it wrong Circe, because i knew that she was a magician but she's not really a goddess she's just an accomplished woman if you will whatever right. island that jason and the argonauts and it's not jason it's odysseus in greek mythology but the roman equivalent of akate is trivia
0: oh that's
1: cool. isn't that a great mocking question to put on a trivia contest yes. is that trivia doesn't just mean the opposite of significa that there really was a minor roman
0: goddess named trivia
1: so as you might imagine culture quest you not only do the whole thing